Hey legends, my name is Mo and welcome to the Can't Can World podcast. I'm a Royal Marine who is dedicated to optimizing human performance and want to bring you exposure to the fantastic people supporting the same aim. Today, I speak to a straight talking fitness expert who has developed a reputation of excellence. We talk about nutrition, sleep, personal trainers and the effects of the global pandemic on his business, but how he still holds a passion for making people better tomorrow than today. Episode 12, Sean Cole. How's the nipper? Oh, mate, 48 and having another kid. Um, she's brilliant. She, honestly, it's like, um, I, I don't know. I mean, you get older and you're a bit wiser and you're a bit more patient. So it's, it's easier. It is easier by far. I've got a 21-year-old and an 18-month-old. It's easier. Are you easier, though? I am, actually. I've chilled out a lot over the years. I think everybody has to, don't they? What about you? You're not. No, mate, I'm I'm a I'm a pain in pain in the ass. I am on all fronts. Always have been and always will be. Hey, look, you you can your DNA's your DNA at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's easy enough. Yeah, we're not gonna please everybody, Mo, are we? Definitely not. No, definitely not, mate. Mate, um, how hard was it to leave the military and start your own business? Was it harder than you thought it was gonna be? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so when you leave the military, they don't give you any idea of how to run a business because why should they? There's no need. They just resettle you for a job and something else. So when I went into it for two years, I completely messed everything up. I'm not going to lie. It was great having a hobby, having a gym, having my friends turn up and work out, people paying to come in and work out. Um, and, and after two years, the missus said to me, he said, you're earning no money. So uh, what are you going to do? And I, and I went, well... And I was clueless about running a business. So I went and paid for a mentor. And as soon as you pay for somebody um, who knows what they're doing um, and somebody who can guide you in the right direction, it's a a game changer. Um, But when you, if anybody wants to leave the the forces and open a gym, if you go and get the right mentor and they tell you exactly what to do, you'll probably never do it because there's that much work involved in running a business, specifically a gym business, that it's scary, but I was already two years in before I met a mentor. So I was already, I was committed. So I had to keep going. So it was, um, yeah, it was a game changer. Meeting the right person has really, really helped massively. So what sort of things did they help you with? So there's a guy, so I, what I did, if I go back, there was, there's lots of different people in, in the world that run gyms and there's lots of great coaches. So I found two that I aspire to be like from a, how they run the facilities and how they do everything. And I went, I know how they coach and they're very good at that. How do they run a business? So a guy called Michael Boyle, who's a great coach in America, I found his mentor. I contacted him. He flew to London. I paid to go and see his seminar. And then I paid for a, a, like a masterclass, 10 people in a room with this uh, mentor. Um, and he basically ripped me a new ass paper and he said, what you've got isn't a business, it's just a hobby. Um, You need to sit down and here's a format you need to follow. And then he introduced me to another guy who was doing it in London and he set off a thing, eight of us set off doing it. Um, Then over a process of years, we helped each other out. And I think in that group now, there's 150 lads who own gyms, all helping each other out. And you pay probably 10 grand, 12 grand a year uh, for that help. But the return on that investment is ridiculous. So it's not money you're spending, it's money you're investing. 
so in terms of detail, what things weren't you doing that you should have been doing? You know, the sort of stuff where you go, oh, I didn't know that, or I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that I was doing this when you're saying that I should have been doing that. Yeah. So I'll talk about the business. So to run a gym business, you need a certain amount of people per square foot. And in that square foot, you need to earn as much money as possible. That's a business, right? And the, the least amount of people you can get in and the more money you can make, the better the business. So if you cram 1,000 people in at 10 pound a person, that's 10 grand. But if you can get 100 people in and charge more and still make 10 grand, you've got a better business because you're not trying to get all these people like pure gyms and that. You can't compete against pure gym. You can't compete against the gym group. So you have to have your own model. So essentially with my business, I looked at it. How many people can get, I get in per square foot and how much can I charge them? I worked that out. But then I quickly realized you have to deliver a phenomenal service to charge that amount of money. And if you don't deliver that service, you're wrong. So the mentor said to me, right, you've got the model. Now we need to work on the service. So the onboarding sequence for people coming in is the first thing you got me to work on. They join, what do you do for them? Do you just train them? I went, yeah, he went, right, you need to do this. So we set up an onboarding sequence. And then after that, what do you do? I said, well, I just trained him. He said, right, what you need to do is this. So we set up a, a six-week onboarding sequence and a 36-month program that people are in and they move along in modules and every eight weeks, we test them and retest. So all of these modules were put in place so you can keep people within the business. And what it means, you increase their lifetime value. So lifetime value of a normal gym is nine months. My gym's three and a half years. Um, so if somebody can stay for three and a half years paying more money than a normal gym, that's a business. How much effort goes into creating that phenomenal service, the product, basically? Um, so before the first lockdown, my business was turning over £32,000 a month, right? Sounds like a lot of money, doesn't it? But £27,000 of that was running the business. So when people see, you know, oh, he's got all this money coming in every month, most of it was going to run the business, pay the amazing staff, pay for the... So for the onboarding, they get my zone belts, they get all the stuff that goes with it. Um, so to run a business, you would say probably around about 20% is good profit. So if you take in 100 grand, 20 grand of that is good profit, 80 grand running it. So no matter what anybody tells you about, you know, they might say my turnover, for instance, would be 500,000, but only 80 to 100,000 pound of that is profit. It's that good, but when you're earning 100,000 and then over a year, your profit is... 15 grand over a year profit and it's just you doing it. You sat at home, you've got 15 grand profit for a year. How much do you earn a year? <laughs> a lot more than that. A lot more. And you're paying yourself. I was paying myself when I started nothing for three years. And then I started paying myself 700 pound a month for two years. So five years, 750 quid a month. And now I do all right. But five years, I had nothing. Well, have there been points at which you clearly have to invest your money into your business where you where you thought I don't know if this is going to work or not and I'm taking a big punt by spending a lot of cash am I going to get this back so every single time I spend money it's a gamble but it's an educated gamble so I work out a lot of different things with the business and how much I'm going to spend will we get the return on the investment 
but I would say I'm, for me personally, I don't know what everybody else is like. I'm 50% confident that it'll work. The other 50% is a gamble. And I just go, right, here we go. And every time I've done it, the worst thing I did was not listen to my gut. I can't listen to figures and facts. That doesn't work for me. I listened to my gut. Fuck me. Once I started listening to my gut, things started really progressing. I think I'm pretty good at what I do. And the coaches I've got, the staff are brilliant. What is the reality of running your business in a day-to-day, you know, your day-to-day, like the hours, the graph, the the backgrounds? I mean, let's talk about the CPD. You are definitely not a person that's that's um, shy of learning. You are humble in your knowledge and you don't proclaim to know everything. And if someone has got something new, you're like, a, you're very curious and say, right, I want to know that. That takes time as well to invest in you. So how do you balance all of that? What does that look like? Um, I, I'm the worst person to ask that question because everybody will tell you and all these mentors online will say, what you need to do is balance your life and what you will do is take time away from the business to do this and do that. Right, I get that and a lot of people say that and I'm the worst person at it. I don't take any time away from the business. I have one week holiday a year, but I see an end goal. I have a retirement plan at the age of 58. So in 10 years time, I will retire. So if I can keep working the way I'm doing and do what I'm doing, I have a really supportive network around me, my family and my missus, um, I'll keep doing it. So I'm the worst person to say, how do you balance it? Because I don't balance it at all. Uh, Is it a good or bad thing? Um, Don't know. You know, maybe if you would have asked me, so the first lockdown, we were doing really well. I was employing more people. And we hadn't had any lockdowns or anything. I might have took a bit more time away now. But for the last two years, I have not had one ounce of time away from thinking about the business. Um, not at all. Not at all. Do you, do you ever get, does that ever, be, ever get overwhelming for you? Yes. Because you don't get that time. Yeah, 100%. If you, there's been some dark times, I'm not going to lie. People turn around and think, you know, like they see on social media, this is going really well and all of that. And I am a positive person. But I have had some dark, dark times where I sit uh, and my, my missus has been brilliant throughout all of this. We'll sit and we'll talk. My coaching staff, they understand. I'm very, very transparent with how the business is running with the staff. I'll tell them how it's going, which money's coming in, what's doing good, what's doing bad. And I have had some dark, dark times, even before lockdowns, you know, lockdowns aside, they've made everybody dark, but yeah, it's not been easy. 100%. No way. I'd like to explore that a little bit more about your staff. Um, because I mean, a military background obviously helps with this, but how much of your time do you proportion to investing into your staff? And how important do you think it is? Oh, it's, it is the most important thing in running the business. So the staff are appraised every eight weeks. And the appraisal isn't an appraisal to say what they're doing wrong. It's to ask them what they want to do and how they want to progress. So we sit, my head coach does it now because I've moved on from doing the appraisals. He does it. Uh, We sit with every staff member every eight weeks and say, look, this is how we're running. This is what I need you to do. Now, what do you want? Here's a CPD budget, 500 pound, right? What do you want from that? So they get that plus any other CPD, we get speakers into the gym. I pay for all of that. If they say, like my head coach, he was doing a uni degree. He's now lecturing at the university because that's what he wanted to do. So he does this and he lectures at the university. Um, So 
for the staff, it is the most important thing for them to see a journey. They're in as a coach, but what, 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 what are they doing? Where are you going? If you want to come here and just be a coach, you won't get a job. You won't. You need to progress. And what return do you see from that? Buy-in. The guys massively buy-in and support everything we're doing because of the support I hope that I show them by saying to them, this is a job, um, but you can't just have a job. I want to see you progress and move forward and do things. So tell me what you want to do. Make yourself a better coach. Get on social media. Make yourself an individual. And then when they become an individual coach, they're just better in the gym anyway. So I win-win. It's a win-win for me. And if somebody said to me, right, yeah, but if you show them so much and give them so much, what happens if they leave? And I'm like, imagine me showing them nothing and they fucking stay. That'd be even worse because they wouldn't know anything. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, mate. Yeah, it, it does make sense. So many people hide everything. And in, in, in particular in the forces, I've found people hide stuff and they, they want, they've got all their knowledge and they don't want anybody to know. They don't want anybody to know anything. Um, but the way I do it, I everything. You want to know something? Let's go. Let's get a speaker in. Let's get somebody in. You want to know how to run the business? I'll show you. You'll never want to run a business if I show you how to do it because it's horrendous. But you want to work at a good one. Do you know what I mean? Looking back now, so what are you now? How are you? Eight years in now? What is it? Yeah, 48. I've been outside eight years. So, so eight years into your business... Would you tell Sean Cole eight years ago that you know now that would really help when you were starting out other than don't do it? There is the don't do it, but I would say a year before you do it, go and find a mentoring group. And I know loads um, of really good ones um, for a year before you even do it, pay a mentor and ask them to take you through a whole process of opening a gym from start to finish and listen to everything they say but when you listen, make your own interpretation of the information you're given. Because they're not God, they can help you. But if you sit and pay somebody, I'm talking oh, between 600 and 1,000 pound a month, not 20 quid to somebody that you find online. I'm talking big money. You'll invest 12 grand in a year, and within two years, you'll, your business will be hitting the 300,000 pound mark from 12 grand. That's a great bet, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? But you've got to find the right person. And what I mean by that is a person you kind of gel with and get on with, not just because of their knowledge. They've got to be able to, like my mentor calls me out. He messaged me the other day. He said, um, I need two actionable points from your business um, by Sunday evening. <laughs> I was like, and this guy's younger than me, right? So apparently he doesn't know as much bullshit. He's a clever guy. So I then give him two actionable points. Then yesterday he goes, have you done those actionable points? I couldn't remember what I told him. So then I get a bit of a, you know, Sean, listen, we want your business to progress. This is how it goes. She just listen to people, but it has to be somebody that you get on with. Definitely. Mate, I want to switch fire into, into what your business does now, which is PT. And you, you love it. You love strength conditioning and you've got a history in, in, in uh, lifting. Um, and you can tell already by the way that you talk that you're very passionate about what you what you do. How do you deal with people that say they're passionate about what you do, but then are not really? So the, 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 the clients that you might deal with that will say the right things, but you know that they're talking bullshit, basically. How do you deal with that? What, what's a, and what common, 
what are the common things that you see? What, what I'm about to do now is, you know, Woody off Toy Story, you know, when you pull the string and let it go, this is this is now me pulling the string and let it go because I've listened to your uh, VTs. I think they're brilliant. Mm. So it, it, my, my old VTs would have given a, a real good story about how to deal with people in, in the sense that if they don't want to train, I'm kind of not interested. And, and I'll tell you the reason why um, I'm, I'm the way I am. So from a, a lot of people now in every industry, and, and you'll have heard this before, they say they can help everybody. They can help everybody, no matter what they are. Um, I firmly believe I can. So if I get a difficult client, I pass them on to a coach who I know has a personality to deal with that. Whereas before I'd get a little bit like, you know, I can't help them. But there is a line, right? And I and this is, no matter how good a coach is at SC, how good they are at dealing with people, we are not counsellors. We are not, um, if somebody's got a real issue and we recognise it, we refer them on. Right. So we do deal with it in-house and we do deal with people who don't want to train to a degree. I do get a bit annoyed and I pass them on to another coach. But if they get to a point where we can recognize there's something not right, we're going to we're going to be passing them on to somebody else because I'm not a counselor. I'm not a mental health expert. Far from it. Um, I've had my own issues at times. We all have. But I'm not a person to deal with other people who've got those issues. I can empathize with them, but I can't deal with it. When it, mate, when it comes to the, the, the day-to-day routine stuff, so you know when, so like your mentor will call you out when your clients might be trying to hit a lifting goal or they might be trying to lose, lose some timber and they come out with the excuses. What's, your, what, what's the best excuses that you hear and how do you deal with those excuses? And what's your style and your method for doing that? So you like this. So I've got a, a bunch of people I'm doing nutrition with at the moment. And, um, and I never say anything bad to them, but we do hear excuses. It's always work, work-related. Um, my partner eats chocolate, so I have to eat chocolate. So they have to check in with me every week. And if they don't check in with me, and this is going to sound really bizarre, I sing to them um, down the phone. So I leave what, what them. What do you sing? I, all songs about missing them. So I sing WhatsApp. I set a video up, you can ask them this, and I sing WhatsApp songs to them like, you know, don't you forget about me, missing you. Um, and they're kind of getting these messages and I give them three and then I do a video sing song if they're not checking in with me. So they get a video of me singing at them and then they check in eventually because it makes them laugh, it entertains them. As opposed to going, check in, you need to do this, da, 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 da. I sing to them. You didn't think I was going to say that, did you? No, I didn't. That's caught me on the back foot. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> what when it whilst we're on the subject of nutrition, you are again. I've seen a seen a lot of your VTs about um, diet and nutrition, and I think diet has probably been when we use the word diet, people automatically assume weight loss, when actually that's not the case. What the word actually means. What's some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make with their diet? Um, and what advice would you have generically in terms of in terms of people's nutritional intake? I know this is a big subject, but just like the, the sort of big wins in there. Yeah, so what the mistake people make is a thing called a baseline, right? So you have a line of where you're at. So 100% is the person that eats clean, the, the, the fitness model, right? 
and zero is the person that eats rubbish all the time. Both of them are miserable. This person who eats 100% clean, doesn't have a life, can't go out with their friends and drink, and that's an awful place to be. The person at zero is probably miserable because they're overweight, they eat the wrong foods, they don't sleep very well, um, they're just not in a good place. And the mistake people make is they do the 100% for three weeks, and then they go to zero for six months. 100% for three weeks. So the baseline is they should all be aiming for something between, and the people talk about the 80-20 rule, 90-10, aim for 70-30. 70% is working with somebody like me and talking about how to maneuver food that you kind of enjoy to a degree. And then we talk 30% real life. Now, I have a real issue with what people constitute as real life. So real life is not fucking Haribo sweet. It is not fairy cakes. It's not birth again. Real life is real life what an adult would eat. So an adult, for, for real life for me, for instance, I might have cream in my coffee. That's real life. But cream isn't great if you've got a, um, a dairy intolerance. But I, I have a bit of an intolerance with dairy, but I love it in my coffee, right? That's real life. Not, I'm going around my friend's house, my 30% real life is to eat fucking beige food, volivants, little pasties and crisps. That's child's food. That's not real life. So everybody should have a baseline, 70-30. 30% real life, what an adult eats, 70% eating food, normal food, meat, vegetables, you know, um, carbohydrates. You should, you should be eating carbs because they taste nice for a start. You know, your pastas, your rices. Um, and if you want a donut every now and again, have it. But don't say a donut is real life. It's not. A donut is not real life. Fucking Homer Simpson eats donuts, for fuck's sake. Mate, what do you... Do you struggle to get that 70-30? And do you find it hard to be able to do that? Or are you conditioned in terms of your habit to be able to, to be happy with what you intake? Yeah, I, I, honestly, my, I am 70-30. And I've all, I always have been. I've never kind of been any, anything other than 70-30. My real life is, I, I love food. So I eat real life food. I'll eat you know, I'll, I'll, real life for me. A fillet steak would be healthier than a ribeye but I love ribeye steak, full of fat, amazing flavors. I'll eat a ribeye. I'm not going to eat a fillet because it's lean meat. I have a ribeye, that's real life. Um, so my 70-30, I don't struggle with it at all. And maybe you're right, I am conditioned to eat like that, I suppose. When I want to, uh, I want to pull that string again. Go for talk, it. And talk about... Um... <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about uh, stuff like Herbalife. <laughs> and the reason why I want to talk about that is not to bash the company necessarily, um, but I know that you have a real passion for that subject. And, and, but I'd also like to... What, what I think that you do really, really well is that when you go after something, you go after it with education. It's not just... Oh, I think that's rubbish or you should do this because this is amazing. You've got education to back it up, but you're passionate when you talk about certain things because of the education that you have. So Herbalife, go. Right. Right. So if I go on a different tangent, all diets work. Herbalife works. Juice Plus works. They all work because you're in a calorie deficit and you lose weight. So it's simple. That's why people go on to it. It's a very quick fix. And research shows that if you have a quick fix, 
and it works, you're more than likely to stick to something long-term, okay? That's why all these products work. The issue I have with all these products and these people that sell it is something you just said, the lack of education behind selling it. Janet, who is a dinner lady, can sell Herbalife and give people all the information on nutrition, and she's a fucking dinner lady, right? This is why I have a problem with the products and how they sell them and how they do them and what they do with them. Whereas if you do a nutrition course and learn and educate yourself, you'll never have to pay for a product ever again. You'll never have to pay for a nutritionist ever again because you live a normal, happy life. Whereas with Herbalife and all the other stuff because of the lack of education, you have to then purchase supplements and stay with the supplements and eat and drink what they're telling you without having any real life application to it. That's the issue I have with everything like that. How important do you think uh, food prepping is to maintain that 70-30 that you're talking about? Yeah. So food, food prep for me, I'll, I'll give you an example. So um, is it food prep or is it taking a packed lunch to work? Do you see what I mean? So when people say, oh, I, don't want a, I don't want a food prep, you go back 20 years, 25 years, how many people bought food out? Everybody took a packed lunch to work. They took a sandwich. They took whatever. No, nobody took, uh, nobody went to Tesco's and bought a meal deal and a bottle of pop because nobody, there wasn't anywhere to do it. So when we talk about food prep and people not having time, whatever you had the night before, put it, make more of it, put it in a box for the next day for lunch. So I don't understand why people say they don't have time because cook what you had before, put it in a box, or just take a packed lunch to work. We've always took packed. Do you take a packed lunch to work? Absolutely. Yeah. I'll take it in a Batman Batman box as well. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, food prep to me is, is not. And, and the other example, there's a load of companies out there now, real good ones. So for a meal deals, I don't know, three quid. But if you get a Zinger Tower burger, which a lot of people have for lunch, is eight or nine, maybe 10 pounds. You can get a meal um, from a food prep company for £6.50 and they'll deliver it to your house <laughs> you, and you can take it to work with you. So there isn't, there isn't much of an excuse for food prep if you're going to go and buy stuff from a shop. Buy it from a food prep company. They'll prep it for you. It'll turn up at your house. Um, if you want to eat stuff you've ate the night before, pop it in a box, heat it up in the microwave or eat it cold. Yeah, I don't have an excuse for food prep, if I'm honest with you. I don't think it's a true thing. No, it's interesting. I love the analogy that, yeah, it's a packed lunch because that simplifies it. I think food prep can be to a lot of people that they've got to really focus on what the contents are in terms of getting their veg, carbs, protein, and all that other good stuff in. When if you look at it as a packed lunch, then it's just food you take to work with you. That if you've cooked it the night before, Generally, if it's home cooked, it will be all right. And it'll have all those food groups in for you to eat the next day. That's it. And, you know, if you look at it, we teach people. So, you know, your palm here, that bit, that's how much protein you should have in a meal. Right? So if you look at your box and there's a lump of meat in it that looks a bit like that, you know, you're all right. Well done. And if you want some carbs, get a cup like this. You have plonk it in the box and then sprinkle some vegetables on it. If you really wanted to make it simple, um, and somebody said, what about a wrap? We'll get a wrap, put some meat in it, wrap it up, put some salad in it. That's food prep. It's a packed lunch. What you need to do is eat a lot of protein because it's really hard to start eating too much protein. 
Yeah, and I, I love the simplicity of it because I think nutrition has almost become a complex art. And it, and it can, it, you know, if you're at the elite level, it needs to be. But for life, if we're talking elite, elite athletes don't have a 70-30, they probably have near 100% to make yeah. sure that they, they perform. So there is a little bit of flex in there. Even with that mode, right, everybody should eat like an athlete, should eat for fuel, right? If, if you eat and fuel your body, so you say, right, I've had a workout, I'm going to eat more carbohydrates. I haven't worked out, I'm going to eat more protein. If, you, if everybody could get into that little mindset, we do that here with people. So we do a 12-week course and they kind of learn to eat for fuel. And then over a period of time, that eating for fuel turns into a habit. Um, takes 21 days to realize you haven't got a habit, 90 days to enforce good habits that can last for a lifetime, but you can resort back to what you've done no matter how good your habits are. But if you start kind of stick with something for 90 days, tell you what, you're in a good place, really good place. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing some really great stuff at work at the moment uh, in human performance and as part of the holistic approach to investing in the person. So it will be looking at SNC, sports nutrition, but areas that, we've, that we really interestingly, uh, that fascinates me is the area of sleep. Because sleep is something that we will do on average for 33% of our lives. And yet all we know about it is that we just get into bed and shut our eyes. And there's so much value that goes on when you close your eyes and the effects of alcohol and your recovery and your what effects on immunity. I know that you did a, a uh, was it a year before last, you did a, a study on yourself about the effects of alcohol mm. um, and the effect it had on your recovery. Do you want to explain a little bit about that? Yeah, so I used to think of a whoop band because our head coach is a, a sleep expert. He does seminars and he he's probably done in lockdown 45 gyms. I've had him on for a sleep seminar because he, he's pretty good. So me and him sat, we got a whoop band each um, <laughs> and we decided to test our sleep. So if somebody sleeps um, for less than five hours, five hours, they're 30 to 40% more likely to have a dropped immune system, right? So they'll get ill and they'll, and what happens is leptin and ghrelin moves around. So they have this hungry hormone gets released and they eat more crap food. So I went out on the beer, I took the whoop band um, and I thought I had it for about two months and got it to regulate to my body. Not sure what the information behind it, whether it's substantiated and whether it's all correct, but I tried it out and I went on the beer and it took four or five days for my body to come back to optimal recovery from one night on the beer. But then over three weeks, I kept tracking it. It would drop in and out. So in reality, from one night on the beer, it took me about three weeks to get back to optimal recovery. Um, horrendous. Yeah, I mean, there's some really... When you're looking at it in real terms, we've got we've got some uh, subject matter experts that are supporting our, our drive at the moment. And they, they, they talk about things like uh, social jet lag, where mm. you know you get out of bed at 7 o'clock every morning. At the weekend, you have your lie until 12 for two days, and then your circadian rhythm's out of kilter. So, And what I say to people is, if you were to fly from New York to London, that's a five-hour time difference, and the jet lag you'll get, that's what you're getting on a Monday morning, because... You know, so the what what the sleep experts will say is, if you want more sleep, go to bed earlier. Don't get out of bed later, because it's, you know stuff like that. And there was there was another one where they said, where they said that if you drink enough alcohol in an evening, so your nightcap to be on the limit of drink driving, which is not a lot, it affects your sleep recovery by fifty percent. We're like, wow, we we wore those heart rate variability monitors for three days. 
It's incredible what goes on in your stress levels. Three pints I had on a Wednesday evening and the it, my, my stress levels were red till about four o'clock in the morning. So I wasn't sleeping, even though my eyes were shut properly. Incredible. It, it goes on about, so it, it, we did a lot, of, uh, a lot of it here. So the, the, the deep sleep, every, people will say to you, they'll go, I can drink coffee and I drink beer and I sleep. But what happens is they sleep, but the deep sleep, which is down here, about there, they're here. So they do sleep, but they're not in a deep sleep. And then that 45 minutes circadian rhythm you're on about, they're always out of it. They're not even getting into it, not even popping in and out. Um, yeah, we went through this with so many people and we say it to them, people drink every weekend, Friday, Saturday, come into the gym Monday, depressed, miserable, I'm not getting a result. And the reason they're not getting a result, and you're 100% correct, sleep and water. Two supplements that cost you nothing, sleep and water. And they're the best by far. If you can get sleep and water, you're done. That's it. Because, it, because it's a known fact that if your sleep is poor, you are more likely to eat make poor choices in food, which mm. increases your likelihood of not doing any exercise. And it's just that spiral that goes around. And it's unbelievable. I, I'm, we're st I'm still fascinated by the stuff that's coming out because it's a huge topic that we know very little about, but we do all the time, every day. We do it every day. And how much it affects your lifestyle, your mental health, your brain recovery, your, your, your stress levels, everything. It, it affects, and I say to people, if they want to change one thing, go for sleep, focus yeah. on, on being good at sleeping, because if you can do that, everything else will fall into place. But the first module for our members is sleep. Module one is sleep and water. Drink three liters of water and sleep for seven hours. And they tick off as they go for eight weeks. If you can get somebody to do that, see all the other modules we talk about, um, testing and fitness tests, none of them matter. See if you can do those first two, everything else will fall into place. And you know what's interesting? Again, we've been we've been discussing performance with quite a lot of market leaders, and they come back and do the same thing: do the basics, ninety percent of the basics. Well, the rest of it will fall into place. And the basics of just getting some sleep and drinking, it's not hard to do, as you said, but it, everything will fall into place. Well, it is hard to do. And, and I'll, so what I mean by that is, it's simple to acknowledge that you need to sleep for seven hours. And it's simple to acknowledge you need three liters of water, but it's not easy for some people. Mm. Yeah, fair. So that we do it in here a lot. We say, look, I'm going to tell you some simple things, but I know it's not going to be easy for you. Because if you say to somebody it's simple and easy, they go, it's fucking not easy for me. Thank you very much. They don't say that. You can see it. They go ambivalent. They kind of look at you and go, here we go. So I'll say it's simple, but it's not easy. It's going to be difficult. This is you're going to make some hard informed choices, sleep and water. Let's, are you with me? I'm, I'm with you. Why do you think people are like that? Social media. There's so many fucking idiots on social media preaching about things that work and do this and do that. And you've hit the nail on the head, Mo. You get into a routine where you sleep, done. I get up every day at six o'clock on a weekend, every day, six o'clock. Mate, that's a lie-in for me. <laughs> I'm in bed at 10, up at six. I've got a baby. No, but, and, and it does work. You get your sleep, you get up, I do my emails, and then I go and get the nipper and the missus up. Um, yeah, it's... 
I love, I, mate, I love doing that and working in the morning. Mm. I love work. Like, it feels like you've stolen a march on the day. Another topic that I'd like to, I think that people listening to this would be really keen to hear is on personal trainers. What, pe- what, should, what should people be looking out for? Like 101 stuff when they are seeking out a personal trainer so they're not getting, not ripped off because I don't think the personal trainers believe they're ripping people off. Mm. But value for money is probably the right word. Value for money. So the first thing, if you're not assessing, you're guessing. If you go to a trainer and he then sells you 10 sessions without even looking at what you're doing, run away. Right. So the first thing a trainer should say to you, you go in and you say, they'll, somebody will approach you, go, I, I want 10 sessions. You go, for me, I'll say, well, what do you want from that? I want to lose weight. I want to do this. I tell you what, let's talk about what you want. You want to lose weight. You want to start moving better, blah, 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 blah. Let's assess where you're at. So we get them in and we assess them and we go through a movement-based scenario. And then they have an initial with us six weeks where they get all the sessions they need in six weeks. And they graduate from that and then we'll take them on as a member. Right? So what you should be looking for as a trainer is an assessment-based process and then questioning what you want um, and what you need. Not just, oh, you want 10 sessions? See you Monday. Give me your money. We're in. And then when you get there, if the trainer for your first session puts you on cardio equipment for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and then they go into a workout, run off. Honestly. And that's what a lot of them do. And you're right. It's not their fault. They've been taught that. Your warm-ups on a machine, 20 minutes. Let's get your heart rate going. When you come off that, we're going to do, it's usually some weights and then some form of HIIT training at the end. Um, And it's usually the same workout for every single person. Run a mile. Run them out. Why? Why? What's the What's the matter with that? What's the matter? We're giving the same session. No. What I mean is, no. Sorry. Let me be more more descriptive. So, what's the matter with doing a warm up on a bit of cardio, some right. weights, and a hit session? Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. So, what we use our warm ups for? People come in and we use the ramp principle because when we're doing the warm up, we're assessing them on that day. So, if they've not had the right sleep, not enough amount of water. Three weeks ago, they're good. They come into the session. You just notice in the warm-up, you go, hang on. This person isn't moving well. They're not doing things right. Things are not working well. So then you change the session because in the warm-up, you've seen what's, you're assessing what you're seeing during the warm-up. And if you stick them on a treadmill for 20 minutes, what are you assessing? You're just chanting them about the weekend where they've probably drank six pints and slept three hours. That's what you're assessing when they're on the treadmill or on their elliptical for 20 minutes. You're not assessing what's going to happen next. That's the problem with it massively. Yeah, that, no, it's, it's, I think it's good for people to understand the whys as well, rather yeah. than just the, the just the nose. Well, on our so when we do the warm ups, actually, so we do the ramp principle. But when we're doing the the activation and mobilisation, we're picking out individual weaknesses. So the example I would give, like me, I have a really terrible thoracic. Um, so when I do my warm ups, I work on my shoulder mobility and stability because it's not very good. So when we get a client in, because we've done the assessment in the first place, maybe hip mobility, shoulder mobility, we'll do a warm-up, some raise, some activate at the same time. None of the mobilization bit and activation, we look at them as an individual and go, this person needs hip mobility, this person needs shoulder, you know, and that's the way we kind of do it here. And that's obviously well-received from the clients. Yeah, yeah, because it's personal training. That's the key word, personal training. So personal to the person, not 20 minutes treadmill because John did it, Pete's doing it, Mary's doing it. No, shouldn't be. Where's, what's next for the business, mate? So we've just started off the 
a personal training course. So we're now an accredited personal training center. So we run personal training courses from here. Uh, that's our next step. When we come out of lockdown now, um, you know, what's next for every PT business? Hopefully there won't be another lockdown and we can just move on and crack on. So, I mean, how frustrated have you been with the decision to close gyms? I believe the decision to close gyms was correct. Um, because if they'd have stayed open, they would have been blamed for spreading the virus. Because we would have been blamed for it because they were open. So the, the decision to close gyms is correct. Um, the decision to open them again on the second phase, which is coming soon, I do believe that's correct. Because if we'd have opened on the first and there'd have been a spike in cases, they'd have blamed gyms. So they're waiting. And for me, the government, I think, have been brilliant. I really do believe that. They've been fantastic with how they've supported us. People don't think they have, but they have. Um, what was I going to say there? They've been brilliant the way they've supported us. Oh, dear. I kind of lost my train of thought there, Mo. You know, you know why, mate? It's because you're 48, pal. You, you're losing it. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. No, the, the, yeah. I can't remember what was going to do. How frustrated have you been? And you said about being correct, the correct decision to yeah. close gyms the first time, correct decisions to wait until it's open the second time. Yeah. I've been frustrated because of a lack of clarity more than anything. So we've, we've had a few visits off the police and things. And like I'm sat in here on my own. The, a few weeks ago, they came in. My head coach was here on his own doing some work and police come ramming in and the gym's open and somebody keeps reporting us for being open. Now, we're allowed to be open because we train elite athletes as well and they're allowed to come in and use the facility. So it is frustrating in that way. And then the police don't know the rules. I'm not frustrated with the police because it's not fair in them trying to know all the new rules. I'm frustrated at the way they approach it. So I asked the police myself and um, the council to come and speak to me and tell me what to do. And I will stop doing anything I'm doing if it's wrong. And they refuse to speak to me. So it's a lack of clarity I'm frustrated with not the rules, I'm quite happy with the rules. Tell me the rules, I'll stick with it. I'm military, of course, I'm going to stick with the rules. But don't enforce stuff and then not know. Don't, you're not giving me clarity. I hate it when I don't get clarity. Hate it. What's, what's it been like trying to be quite agile in your thoughts to survive, a, a, a business to survive? I've actually grown as a person, Mo. I've see, when all this happened, the first day it happened, I was really like, I didn't know what to do. But the following day, I went, you know what? I'm fucking going to hit this. And all I've done is hit it and hit it and hit it and hit it. Every time it's come out, I've been dark, but I've hit it. And I've grown as a person. And I, I firmly believe I've come out as a, as a better leader because of how it's been put upon me to act positively. Um, and I am quite positive, but it's really, it's helped me as a person. Honestly, the, the lockdown for me has been more positive than negative. It, it's been negative at times, but more positive than negative. Definitely. That's really good to hear because I think, you know, there's, there's other people that will be in a similar situation because about, about being more positive and negative, but I hate doing this because, but I do love him to bits. And I just want to refer back to Jonah, um, who I spoke with in the very first one of these podcasts. And he made a comment, um, and I hate, you know, it hopefully he doesn't listen to this because he'll he, he, he be giving him a chuck up. But he, he made a comment, he said, and he was in re reference to Hasler, um, that the complex trauma unit. 
in Plymouth. And he said, where darkness shines, light will shine elsewhere. And that is so true. And it exactly sums up what you've just been saying, that lockdown, shut, darkness. And actually, you just need to, what you needed to do was look to see where the light was. And that's what you, you know, I believe that's what you're referring to about hitting it. It's about going after the bits that you can have something to control. Yeah, and that's that's a great thing, controlling the controllable. So there's a lot of things I've gone off my head about, and, and then I just reflect and I go, I can't control it. So why am I getting annoyed? And um, why am I getting upset that gyms are closed? Why am I getting? There's no point. I can't control it. But what can I, what I can control is the way I react, and what I can control is how I'm going to make the gym better and make things better for the staff and and make my life better and easier. So that's what I've done. Mate, I, I think I, I love listening to your social media videos. I, I, you know, I love li- watching now your business has, has gone from strength to strength. And I've got no doubt in my mind that when the lockdown ends, that you will be probably, maybe not initially, but as, as you progress, you'll be further on than where you thought you were going to be 12 months ago. Um, on a normal trajectory because that's the type of bloke you are and again you know I love the, your passion your curiosity about stuff you're a humble guy that just works fucking hard and it's really good to uh, to watch and and to to know you mate so well done and thank you very much for talking to me today yeah brilliant thanks man. thanks for getting me on I've been watching your progress as well and when I said to uh, my head coach, this guy's running a, this podcast and it deals with mental health and stuff. Well, fuck me. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, it's really, really good, man. I like some of the stuff you're doing. It's really good. Cheers, mate. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast channel for updates on new releases. And why not leave a review on your podcast provider and follow us on Instagram on the at Can't Can Will page to show your support. Thanks, legends.